And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. We are explorers. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness, that is life. We're Starfleet officers. Weird is part of the job. Base, the final frontier. Make it so. Do it. Hit it. Let's fly. I'm Lindsay. I'm Aiden. And we're the Bix. Indeed we are. And this episode, we are very happy to be returning to an old friend, that friend being the weekly podcast formula. Uh, we have come back to cover Picard season three and all its blow by bow, blah, blow by blow. <laughs> Try that with more syllables. Uh, yeah, a few more. Or more... More enunciation, at least. <laughs> so uh, we were coming back to uh, something that we did with uh, Twin Peaks, uh, The Return. Six years ago. Very long time ago. Uh, we have not really done a, a, a warmish take podcast in quite a while. We've we've had the, the, the benefit of a little perspective and a little time to look back on. on and time to forget how to do this. Entirely. And we're six years older and six years more stressed, six years more gray hair yeah. up here that and you can see listeners can't see no but they're they're there yeah uh, and yeah but i think we were also six years more experienced uh yeah. we we have a good sense of uh how podcasting works a little bit better as well as uh the media that we're talking about i think our knowledge of star trek is far and away yeah much larger than our knowledge of well and there's just more of it I that's think, true to, that's to true. go into um the other thing you say warmish take um <laughs> we're recording this like two days after yeah. the episode airs but we're we're keeping to our tuesday release day so it's you're gonna get this almost right before the next episode yeah. of picard comes out so i mean we haven't really digested a lot of the the other stuff that's out there there's a lot of talk there's a lot of other podcasts of, yeah. and youtubers who have gone into great depth of detail in in the episode uh that we are going to be talking about um that's not really our style i don't think it ever really was no if, um, if you are new and you're joining us today uh our focus has always been more on like the the qualitative kind of aspects of the storytelling um, yeah Lindsay the and literary aspect yeah the literary yeah. aspects Lindsay and i are both writers uh we kind of bring that perspective to mm-hmm. the whole experience of, of, of whatever media we're talking about and in this case it'll be a lot of comments on the writing and the, 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 plot, the plots yeah, all, the, like that. all those elements that, but that, we're gonna geek out too because we are big longtime Star Trek fans absolutely so, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be fun so so Aiden um We've been watching season one, season two, uh, not as they came out. Season two, we did. Season one yes. was like right at the beginning of the pandemic and we were all a little depressed. So we didn't really pay attention when it was airing, um, if you recall. Yeah. Um, maybe you don't want to recall. <laughs> but um, but those seasons were received a little bit less uh, favorably by fans and critics alike. And, and so us. And, and us <laughs> to a certain degree. Yeah. Spoilers for when we do talk about season one and two of Picard. Yeah. Season three had a lot of excitement built up around it because it was the, the return of the Next Generation crew. Um, and 
I was very excited to watch this. I've been eagerly anticipating it. I got the feeling from you that you were a little more hesitant. Yeah, I'd say that's that's fair. I, I You don't season, trust that I, this is I, gonna be a good I, season? I don't trust generally uh modern television <laughs> to I to achieve what what makes Star Trek work really well. Um Lindsay and I have talked about this in previous episodes. Uh we loved Strange New World. Strange New Worlds, plural. Yeah. Uh, we haven't watched much Discovery. Uh, we also love Lower Decks, though. So, I mean, yeah. we, it's not like we're not fans of New Trek or anything like that. Well, I'm um, a huge fan of New Trek. Yeah, so far we really enjoy what we have watched. Um, but at the same time, there are certain pitfalls that Picard Season 1 and 2 really fell into. They really fell into the kind of, uh, of the moment. Dark, gritty. Yeah. Backstory. It was. It was the dark, gritty reboot of uh, of Captain John Luke Picard, yeah. which was not necessarily what anybody was really looking for. I remember when Picard Season 1 was announced, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they're going to make it like a nice, cozy mystery. Like, right. Picard, this old man, is going to be retired from Starfleet, and he's going to, you know, figure out something M- meaningful. Murder, she wrote type G- thing? Kind of, but like meaningful for the character. Like, I always think mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the episode Families after he's been assimilated right. by the Borg, and he, he has this, you know, there's there, there's a character there. There's yeah. a human being there that they could have explored in great depth in a in a little eight episode or ten episode arc. Um, and instead, they have him gallivanting across the galaxy, still shooting guys, and still doing basically doing what he did in the Next Generation, right. but without his crew, which was part of what made the Next right. Generation work so well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was. And I was not impressed by either season. Season one was okay. Season two was the worst Star Trek I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, which is just, just being upfront about it. Uh, so yes, I came into season three with a few uh, more reservations than perhaps you did. Yeah, I think that's fair to say that it's probably um, tonally very different. Um, yeah. But having said that, we haven't watched a lot of Discovery. So yeah. I think it matches tonally where Star Trek has been going for the last six, yeah. five, six, seven years. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, but yeah, it, I think the the shock of it and, and just the fact that um, I guess because we, I, being Twin Peaks fans and coming back to that franchise after 30 years mm-hmm. um, with a TV show that was radically different than the show that um, we all loved back in the 90s, um, I wasn't as upset about it. I think I was a little bit more open open to it, open-minded about it than you were, but we come from different Star Trek backgrounds too, so maybe that's part of it. That's fair. Um, so I was, I was at least open to the idea of, yeah, let's explore Picard being an old man and having to say goodbye to Data in season one or um, having to explore his psychological wounds in season two. Even if I didn't like it, I was like, I, I'm willing to go there. I would have been willing to go there if if everything else worked. And yeah, there like, are there so were, many other story yeah. plots and story reasons. We're not talking about season one and two here, but <laughs> but I can see where you're where you're where you have the the hesitation. I felt a lot more positive about this because I knew that there was going to be um, like Riker, LaForge, Crusher, mm-hmm. the, uh, gangs, all the gangs all there. Yeah. We're getting the band back together. Yeah. Um, so I felt a little bit better about that, and knowing that. It was written um, and kind of filmed very close to season two, but not like mm-hmm. it was done in a very different way than season two was done. Um, and it had more of a a showrunner yes. imprint there was, there on was, it, yeah, there was I more, guess. It was Does more, that make sense? It sounds like the production and the yeah. writing was more much more cohesive. Yeah. Um, I remember there was a... 
a comment from one of the producers or the writers uh, of Picard. I think it was season one uh, mentioning about, oh, well, yeah, we learned a lot in, I think it was season one they were talking about saying like, oh yeah, like we should, we should probably have all the scripts for the whole series written before we start filming. Yeah. I remember <laughs> looking at you when we heard that and being like, they didn't have all the scripts done. <laughs> like that's screenwriting 101, is it not? Well, well, no, I mean, well, here's the thing. I mean, if you're coming from a network television show where there's 26 sure. episodes and they're episodic and they, they don't need to connect or anything yes. like that, then yeah, you can do whatever. Yeah. I do not think HBO starts filming the, you know, wire. The, the last of us or the wire exactly <laughs> like without all 10 12 13 scripts written like that is just insane or at idea. least knowing exactly what's going to happen yeah. with these characters even if the lines of dialogue aren't written you know where these characters are going and i do get the sense that to be fair and we're going to talk about this when we get to season one and two of picard um especially season two was interrupted by like pandemic filming and restrictions in that regard that i think impacted filming to yeah. a greater degree than any other season of Star Trek ever, ever that we know of, yeah. Maybe Str- Strange New Worlds had to deal with that too, but um, it's definitely not the norm to have to fly by the seat of your pants with a show where every episode is c- deeply connected, connected to the one that came before it and the one c- that comes after it. Yeah. So I, I already going into this, I feel like that is something that we aren't going to have to worry about. Yes, that it's going to fit, and it it feels like this is a very I, people have been saying it's it's a very fitting end. They really like the way that this story is playing out for these legacy characters, and it may end the series, the Picard series, but it may not be the final outing for. All of the characters. All of the characters, know, yeah. or especially the next generation of the next generation, perhaps. So um, I do feel like there's an arc, that a trajectory that they're going for. So I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so speaking of the next generation, that is the title of the episode, Lindsay, yep. which brings us to uh, one of the most beloved parts of the Pod, not really at all, is the 30-second uh, <laughs> synopsis. Whenever yeah. we are discussing a single piece of media, uh, we'd like to get one of our... Uh, illustrious duo here to uh, try and describe the entire episode or movie I'm or looking, play. I, I'm, in 30 I'm excited for this simply because the last time I did one of these, I believe it was like Cymbeline or it was a Shakespeare play. Like we were doing yeah. Shakespeare. Um, that no, was no, our, we did we did a few of the movies when we did the Star Trek did movies. We? Yeah, 30 I think, I think you did. I think you did two or three of them. And oh yeah, you're right. I guess well. I did. But it'll be easier than Shakespeare. So yeah, because well, yeah, especially for you. I of course would still be describing uh, the opening shot of just the the ship sitting out there in the nebula because that's how I do. You'd it. be but, going into like the hexadecimal color of the nebula. <laughs> gases and yeah pretty much uh but because you're doing it this time Lindsay, uh we don't have to subject our listeners to that so Lindsay, let me know when you're ready 30 seconds is on the clock ready to go whenever you are okay i think i'm ready Lindsay, in Shit. three two one go so captain picard admiral picard is getting ready for his retirement and he gets a call from an old friend who at beverly crusher who is in trouble somehow. He gets uh, Riker involved. Starfleet is not allowed to be involved. They commandeer a ship with the help of Seven of Nine um, and go off to try and rescue her. Meanwhile, Raffi's off doing something um, with an Orion on some planet with uh, Starfleet intelligence, I think. I'm pretty sure that's all that happens. I don't really remember anything else. Oh, <laughs> Beverly Crusher has a son. And there we go. That's the time. <laughs> I don't know. That was very it's hard. Good. It's hard because like no, I don't know where summary. any of these things are going. So you're just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, what is important here? We yeah, like let's yeah. set it up and then hopefully in three or four episodes, 
yeah it'll make sense well no no and that was that was good uh i mean you captured all the main characters that were involved mm-hmm. uh i mean you obviously skipped all the scenes but uh you've captured the essence why do you see this is a problem you always go to like <laughs> scene by scene by scene and this is why it takes you eight minutes to go through a synopsis yeah i i usually just you know wrap it up with like uh, you hilarity know, the, and sue's the, comment but the, yeah the netflix description is like <laughs> 10 words long yeah well yeah you gotta okay. just do that okay. just hit the the the, the Top sheet. We'll get there. We'll get there. I have thoughts on the description and the the episode title even for me. You know, yeah. wrinkle some feathers. But anyways. Wrinkle some feathers? Yeah. Is that not an expression? No. Ruffles feathers. <laughs> How do you wrinkle a feather? I don't know. Listeners, Lindsay, I don't have if any you fe- haven't met Aiden before. <laughs> I, I tend to uh, make up phrases as I go. Um, anyways, Lindsay, overall thoughts on the episode – um, I guess we usually start off with a simple one. Did you like it? Um, yeah. Yeah? I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah. I I am of the same mind. Uh, I am cautiously optimistic. I think that was yeah. the way you described it. Same. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if that's coloring my... I don't want to get too excited about it. There were certainly moments that were very exciting and, yeah. and really great. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that I felt... Um, I'm getting flashbacks to season one and two of Picard, where yeah. I just felt like... I'm a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pacing mostly. Yeah, there's pacing for me. One of the well, we actually broke this down very quickly in our notes to like, uh, you know, our overall thoughts and then our complaints. And we we do have quite a few complaints, and I feel like a lot of them are kind of rehashes of of similar complaints that we'll have for season two when we talk about that eventually. But we're we're gonna do it as a compliment sandwich. So let's try and be positive first. (laughs) This is the teacher and me talking. Like, hit them with a compliment. Yeah. Then break down everything that's shit about it, and then leave it with them (laughs) excited to hear more. You know, like <laughs> I love it. I love it, Linz. Uh And if, so, for for a, a high level bonus point, I actually didn't mind the pacing overall. Okay. Um, and I thought that the uh, the the best parts for me were Riker and Riker and Picard together again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their chemistry just works. It's, yeah. it's great. Every I'm glad, time. and I'm glad they got to that real fast. Like, yeah. there wasn't, you know. We knew that these characters were coming back, so there's no need to like be coy about whose ship we're on. It's yeah. Crusher, right? Yeah. We see the orchid. We see, you know, there's there's no need to be. Yeah, it was quick. Ex- extremely coy about it. No. Or Riker sitting in the bar. Yeah, like, we exactly. Don't, yeah. They there there was a moment where they like 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 fuzzed him out a little bit. It yeah. was not he wasn't in focus, and I'm like, you don't need to do that. We know it's Riker. Like yeah. just cut to Riker. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Get to the cut to the chase, and yeah. they did that to them for the most part. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that was one of the weaknesses of one and two. Is like they were like oh, waiting for this really yeah. dramatic reveal of something that we know the fans are gonna love. It the, we will talk about fan service because yeah. it is kind of a, an issue in this episode even. But yes, they've they've cut away to the bone of that. I th- I feel like it's it's to the point and it's serving the purpose of the story every yeah. time. Uh, and that 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 worked well for sure. Um you think the pacing worked? Yeah, I mean, it was I mean, okay, so here's the thing. It reminded me a lot of season 1, episode yeah. 1 of Picard where like, yeah. oh, Picard needs a ship. Yeah. That's the problem. And, and they solved it. Also Picard season 2. No, they started off on the ship, didn't they? And then the Borg came through the gateway thing or something like that. Um, he was already, he'd been reinstated as an admiral, I think, in the start of season two. Yeah, we I blocked guess. a lot of season two out of our mind. Yeah. But in any case, uh, you know, and in season one, that took two episodes, I think, to basically yeah. resolve that little problem. Well, and here they resolved it in a very simple way, like call Riker in and he'll fix it up. I guess the with season one, there was a lot more of groundwork laying. You need to introduce, establish the, the character and, and the world that you're in, right? Yeah. But... It's Here, true. I did feel like um, 
maybe the opposite complaint that you had, mm. um, that it was all too fast. Oh, okay. Not the, the introductions to Riker and Crusher and everything. Like, that. I thought that was great. But I just felt like um, Picard spends, like, I think it's within the first 10 minutes that he, like, the inciting incident has happened. Yeah, he gets the message. He gets Crusher, the message. Yeah. He's packing up his office to go off with Laris. And within five minutes, he's, no, I'm going off with Riker. Yeah. And it just felt like it, maybe they went too fast in the opposite direction of let's lay the groundwork to, you know, warp speed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what... what I, st- I can't even put it into words what bothered me about it. But it did feel like it happened very, very quickly. And yeah. um, not that I'm necessarily complaining i don't know that i would have liked it better the other way yeah i remember we we talked right after the episode and you're like you know it could have been a two hour an hour and a half long episode where you do give a little more time to picard and laris like they've wrapped up season two and they're they're going to be a happy ever after couple yeah you know take a moment to to disassemble that before he goes off yeah because i feel like we should have luxuriated in that moment and there's so many wonderful things that you know uh picard playing with the Russican flute or mm-hmm. um, the whole thing about the the painting that's going to Geordie at the museum, yeah. the fleet museum or whatever. I'm like, that is something that could have been, we could have spent a little bit more time on. Um, you know that Laris isn't going to be in, in the episode very much now because she's going off to wherever it is that she's going to do her work. Mm-hmm. Um so I and I have the feeling that there isn't going to be a happily ever after for the two of them. No. So I would have liked to see what it is that makes them tick at the beginning because I know that they're not I have a feeling they're not going to be together at the end and there should be some emotional punch to that. And I don't get that there yeah, is because that well, that relationship was shoehorned into season two. Yeah. And now they've just kind of dropped it like, oh, we're going to go retire together but why do they like each other? What is their, like, they've shared all of 20 yeah. minutes of screen time, really. Yeah. Like, let's be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 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 the one issue is that it is picking up from season two, which was such a colossal mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it really does struggle under that. I feel like yeah. most of my problems are to do with the, the stuff the left leftovers over from, from season two. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that that opening section is a little rushed too, even just because mm-hmm. it jumps right into like the theme. Here's the theme. We're talking yeah. about legacy. And it's like, okay, yes, I get it. You know, Picard doesn't have kids. There's two kids of crew members introduced in this episode. It is titled the next generation. Um, you know, it's, it's very clear. That's what the, the show yeah. is really going to be about. And this episode is kind of supposed to be about, but it doesn't, it also doesn't, you know, again, have room for them to discuss that 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 feeling and that sense of uh legacy like i went you know when we were watching it uh there was the scene where they're in the bunk beds and it actually reminded me of the episode with uh or not the sorry from the film uh undiscovered country when mccoy and kirk are in the bunk beds and that was a a really good chance for them to explore you know the the underlying motivations for the characters and everything like that and there in this episode they didn't really get into that yeah it was was just just, a joke cutaway like this is their uncomfortable quarters after after they've been treated badly by captain shaw yeah and it it, it was not you know you have these two people alone in this vulnerable space have them explore that naturally have you know picard thinking like wow uh lavar burton jeez (laughs) laforge's kid is on the ship wow if i had a kid they might be a captain already meanwhile Riker is dealing with marriage troubles with his wife which is just hinted at which 
you know, is fine. Fine, but, but but yeah, you're right. Like there should have been a little bit more. It's not like you need to spend three episodes to establish these characters and who they are no. before you can get them to open up to one another. These yeah. are people who've known each other for 30, 35 years. Yeah. So um It's what makes the movies work. And, and yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm coming back to the whole idea of like thematic banging you over the head yeah. with it. You have in our notes here that uh, Picard was always concerned with his legacy. Yeah. And it, I don't... Did he? Was he? Well, I, I, I mean, you think of Generations. That was that okay. is really the, the only really super clear instance of it. Because he was always so humble before that. He didn't need a legacy. Throughout most of, of the next generation, well, I he feel was like, kind of just I like, feel like it was it was a conflict within him. And I think, I think that's, again, it goes back to the episode uh, with family. And it also goes sure. back to Generations. Yeah. And even First Contact, to an extent, is, you know, he... he didn't his family was the enterprise yeah you know and that's what makes the last episode work so well is when he finally realizes this is my family this is my legacy and my my generation to come you know like right. his family is all these other people's families as well right yeah and i feel like uh so him say i never needed one doesn't really jive because he he has felt the conflict of one it's just he found his legacy in something else he found it in his friends in his his Geordies and his Datas and his Rikers yeah. and everybody, right? Yeah. And so for him to just jump right into that, like it just, it again, feels like kind of like the writers really didn't understand the the whole nuance of the Picard character, um, which is one of my biggest problems with seasons one and two, yeah. uh, is also here is that it's it's a little strong. I think the they do understand Picard better. I mean, it's clear that there's a lot of respect for the character and for the stories that he's been in. Yeah. Just by, I mean, the number of Easter eggs and fan service that's being played with here is maybe a little over the top at times. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it isn't going to go any deeper than just like sly, subtle little gags on screen. Yeah. But if they have done their research, I think that this is going to be a good season for that. Um and I think it might be very in character for, for somebody like Picard to um, need to be reminded at the end of his life about the things that are his legacy, mm-hmm. which is why I'm a little bit disappointed that, I mean, Beverly Crusher's son is totally going to be Picard's oh, son. Oh, it has to be. I mean, he's, like, he was born with the English accent. Yeah. So it just has to happen. Yeah. Those things are genetic, <laughs> don't you know? Obviously. Um, so that's why I'm kind of disappointed that that's going to be because it does strip away the poignancy of the found family thing yeah. that Next Generation had going for it so yeah. well. So well. Um, to all of a sudden make it like, oh, there's not this colony of data clones out there <laughs> yeah. that are like Picard's grandchildren, yeah. and there's not Wesley Crusher gallivanting off with the as a traveler as a yeah. traveler, and there's not Sydney LaForge at you know. Yeah. Helm, helming, helming, helming the helm. Yep. Right. Yep. That doesn't matter because oh, now he has a son. Yeah. That's what's going to be elevated. I, I, I yeah. hope I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Yeah, I, I, I would doubt it if they if they pull the switcher on that. It's possible. I mean, or maybe like Beverly like did artificial insemination or something. She's just like, I want a kid, and maybe she borrowed his genes and or who Well, knows? some people online are like, it's a clone. And I'm like, why would she clone him and then call him her son? That's a little creepy. Very. Please, Beverly, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't let us not do that. Um, <laughs> anyway. Okay, we're, we're still ragging. Yeah. <laughs> and we haven't even got to our complaints yet. No, I know. Um, but so let's go back to some of the things we liked. Um, I, and I guess we're going to disagree here uh, based on our notes. Uh, I yeah, liked, It wouldn't be big bigs if we didn't bicker <laughs> once in a while. I liked the Raffi storyline. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, 
mostly because it kind of it let us do a little bit of work with her character in a way that's obviously going to tie into the larger plot. Yeah. That was obviously of the legacies. biggest. Well, yeah. well, no, the plot, not the theme. But oh, like, okay. I feel like obviously yeah, right. she is. Um, she was very underdeveloped in season two. She was basically barely a character. Uh, season one, she got only the the threadbare bits from a a two short season kind of thing. Um, but I, I did like the 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 overall plot. You know, I like her being like an agent who's you leveraging her, her own like the public information about her that she was kicked out of Starfleet. Yeah. You know, it's very much like a going undercover would actually be like. Um, reminds me of the Jake Peralta storyline. Yeah, right. Yeah. Season Brooklyn two of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, uh, but you, you are just getting a few little scenes of her at this point, so it's kind of hard to gauge. Yeah. Um, I do have complaints about Rafi later on, but um, overall, I like this this setup for her having this like side quest that's going to tie into the main one yeah it feels much more natural than anything we saw before um and i really want to know who her handler is i like that little mystery um and we'll, i have i have a theory you, you have theories i yeah, know I, do. I know um the raffi thing bothers me only because um she hasn't so underdeveloped that i had forgotten so much about her character like that she has a that ki- she has a, a grandchild, grandchild yeah and that like did we know that she had had trouble with substance abuse? Did we know? Like, I don't remember any oh, really? of these little details <laughs> about her. And it just felt like, at first I'm like, okay, I, I believe that she is this character. And then I'm like, okay, fine. She's undercover. That's cool. So she's still kind of in Starfleet, but she's also being held at, like, a remove from everything yeah. as well because she's not to be trusted. And I feel like whatever growth she's made as a character, it both seasons that we've seen her return to like season one was fine but then it's almost like those old sitcoms from the 80s and 90s where like everything resets Resets at at the the beginning of the next episode yeah because we started season two with her down on her luck again and everything's bad with seven and we're starting season three with everything bad down on her luck she's you know and i just feel like you know there's no progress for a character like that and that bothered me a little bit yeah, and it's not clear right now if uh, her and Seven are actually yeah. broken up or no. And or I guess I guess maybe that could be changed, but I just get the feeling that they're they're falling back on some of that a little bit more yeah. than I would have liked to for a character, a, a lesbian character or a bisexual character, yeah. um, a woman of color. I think that it just feels tropey. Yeah, there's fair. some there's something about it that just I feel like I wish they would have. Yeah, Maybe I, they will. Maybe they will. No, yeah, exactly. They haven't done so well, so far. No, it's true. And I feel like the she's set up to do something interesting, yeah. which I can't say was much of her in season two for sure. So mm-hmm. um, there's that. And I, I, I just, you know, uh, the cool, you know, portal gun. Yeah. You know. Right. Now you're thinking with portals, how to destroy a city. Like that 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 was a cool scene. Like That I'm was like, really cool. Although it made no sense because... And we'll get into that when we get to our bashing. But um, it was just cool. It was a very cool scene. I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a cool way to destroy a city. Absolutely. On screen. Ambassador, I've been analyzing the debris. And I've discovered disturbing evidence that the asteroids are not what they seem. Aiden, this is a perfect time to segue into our ad sponsor. Yes. Uh, this episode is brought to you uh, by Portal 3 uh, from the team that will never bring you Half-Life 3 and the <laughs> company that makes its money exclusively by selling you licenses for games and only occasionally making its own. This episode uh, is brought to you by the game Portal 3 due to be released sometime in the 25th century. Uh, of course, mere human mortals like us uh, would find it difficult to segue a beloved sci-fi franchise and a beloved gaming franchise together in an in-universe tongue-in-cheek way. 
which is why we didn't even try. Uh, instead, we turned to the very best in early 21st century technology uh, and let ChatGPT write our ad for us, just like all your other uh, YouTube friends and podcast friends are doing right now. Uh, so listen and weep, marketing professionals. <coughs> Tired of exploring space with only your measly warp drive? Yearning for some real cutting-edge technology to help you dodge angry Klingons and space-time anomalies? Eager to find out if you too can extract the entirety of some Starfleet base of operations into the ground and then drop it on the unsuspecting citizens two blocks over? <laughs> well, strap in, because Portal 3 is here to save the day. Join the crew of the USS Aperture as they boldly go where no gamer has gone before. With portals! That's right, folks, with the power of portal technology at your fingertips. Why bother with boring old space travel when you can bounce around the universe like a kangaroo on a sugar high? It's <laughs> a good silly. Uh, and don't worry, this game isn't for the easy mode fans. You need a soul burn in the hellfires of Elden Ring and Bloodborne just to get past the first stage. You'll need to use your noggin and a whole lot of science to make it through the levels in one piece. <laughs> but who needs easy gameplay when you have snarky robots and puntastic humor to keep you company? So if you're ready to ditch the warp drive and embrace the power of the portal gun, pick up your copy of Portal 3 today or in the 21st century. Live long in Portal, my <laughs> friends. All right. Artificial intelligence written ad copy. Now, we did make a few tweaks. Yeah. Uh, we had to run it through three times and it ask for the It wasn't quite as sarcastic yeah. as we wanted it we, to we be. We asked for more sarcasm and it delivered, though. Overall, uh, not bad for not our bad. first AI written. I'm a, I'm shaking in my boots. Yeah. Uh, AI is well, getting. I work in communications, yeah. and this terrifies me because yeah. 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 Although maybe it'll just make my job easier. I'll just never have to work again and just copy and paste. But uh, that's for a, a later discussion. Yeah, the existential crisis will come later. <laughs> it always does. Cool. Well, live long and prosper. Don't you give me that sarcastic Vulcan salute, Becky? Uh, another positive for this episode, kind of. This is in the this is maybe in the the middling territory. Uh, the whole lighting situation on okay. the, on the starships. Yeah, uh, this has been a point of discussion online already. It's quite been a, a bit. point of discussion in this marriage as well. Yes, yes, for quite a while. We're going to bicker about this too. I, I have feel a feeling. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't mind the dark bridge and like the moody lighting mm -hmm. and everything like that. I do miss the bright, happy TNG bridge, but it, it is, it, again, it's in keeping with the, th with the tone of the yeah. overall show. It's when you want a darker show, have your set be darker, I guess. Like it's, it's again, it's matching modern TV sensibilities. Yeah. And I feel like that's okay. Sure. But there's, there's practical problems with this. Like oh, this has absolutely. been one of my big complaints about Voyager was always that when they went to red alert, all the lights went out. And I'm like, is that not the time when you're engaging the Herogen? Isn't that when you want to be able to see your controls? Like, don't you want yeah. like Paris to be able to see where he's going? Yeah, yeah. You don't want Tuvok bumping into things back. You know, yeah, especially like they have like on the Voyager, it's really yeah. bad because they have those little like barriers Cubicle around. Cubicle type things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you could easily bump and hurt But yourself. But I mean, look at the 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 bridge of the Stargazer or the Titan yeah. A in today's episode. Um, like, I don't know where the stairs are. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fall and new, break something. Yeah. And they don't even have the nice little ramp no. that the exchange did, right? It's like it's like walking around in a movie theater when you're trying yeah. to go to the bathroom in the middle of the show. Yeah, that, that is I exactly just, what it would be like. And, and I guess there is some degree of like the, the backlit consoles yes, and, and things are easier to but, see. But so, I mean, we have modern backlit 
yeah, screens. And we and, still have fluorescent lighting. Yeah, when you're in an office, you have overhead lighting. Right. You don't just sit in darkness. I mean, that would hurt your eyes. Like, you would get headaches yeah. and stuff. Like, my grandma would be a guest. Oh, yes. She was always on my case about reading in the dark. Yeah, yeah. This would not yeah. fly. No. But maybe they don't need to worry about, maybe they all have advanced eyesight. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you can get your eyes replaced if you damage so, them, guess, So, yeah. Maybe we're complaining about something that doesn't matter. It looks good on television, so we should just forget about it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. It just, it's like, for me, it's always like, whenever there's a mess made, you know this. <laughs> yes, I'm like, who's going to clean who's that it? up? Like, they just move on to the next scene, and I'm so stressed out. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, like, it's like when they don't finish their cherry <laughs> Coke, you know? Yeah, like, it's like, no, drink your Maddie Ferguson drink. leaves her cherry Coke on the, the Double R Diner, and I'm that, just like. That might be the, the single scene we return to the most in this <laughs> podcast, is that one little thing from Twin Peaks, season two, episode one, and we're just going to keep coming back to it. The cherry Coke. The cherry Coke. It's just, it's, it's still on that table to this day. Um, How did Donna let her do that? Oh, it's just terrible. Terrible. Um, on a happier note, Lindsay. Yeah. You had a point in here that you did like. This is a pure positive note, I think. Yeah. The end credits. I loved the end credits. Yeah. And I I mean, I I also thought that they were a little bit over much with the, the fan service. And if you watch Trek Culture, they have this great segment at the end of the episode, the Cetacean Observations. I just love yeah. um, this week's episode. It was like half the episode was just full <laughs> and of And he was doing a rapid race. fire. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, which is great. I mean, like they did cram a lot of stuff into there, but I feel like sometimes it can be a little bit much. It's yeah. like, um, you know, as with the, the bunk bed scene, if you're just going to put it in there to say, aha, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV gif, <laughs> you know, if you're just doing it for that reason and you're not going to have any emotional attachment to it, it feels flat. The end credits didn't have that. They they did have a lot of emotional attachment for me. And I think it was mostly because of the song choice. Yes. I screamed out loud. I'm like, oh my God, it's the first contact theme song. Yeah. And, and it was. I think it was literally the exact same arrangement. I don't think they re-recorded it like they did with the TNG yeah. arrangement that they did at the start of the re- episode yeah. re-record yeah. Um, but yeah so the the end credits with the first contact theme was amazing um, and I did like that every actor's name came up over top of something that was like a Connecting. hint or, or yeah. a connection to their yeah. characters my favorite was obviously the red and blue DNA strands that are coming together behind Ed Spillier's name and he plays Jack Crasher so that, uh, it's like Obviously, yeah, yeah. Like, it's going to be the red shirt and the blue shirt coming together to create uh, a baby. Ed Spillier's. Yeah, not literally, but <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So yeah, no, I, no. I just thought like there was a lot of a lot of cute things like that that I think you will be rewarded. And people have gone. Reddit is full of lists of things. Yeah. Like you could go into the the registration numbers and find out every ship that's referenced in the episode. And there's all kinds of little, you know, codes and numbers and things that you know you could go real deep with all of this stuff. Absolutely, it's definitely going to reward longtime fans, very observant yes. longtime yes. fans. Um, so yeah, and I liked I liked the, actually like the start of the episode for that same reason like all the the crusher yeah. things like obviously like before you even have a hint of it being her yeah you know it's her because yeah. all of the the stuff and I I couldn't read it fast enough but when Jack Crusher's yeah. uh, little bag yeah. uh, travel suitcase or whatever that thing is yeah. uh, showed up I was like who did that say and you're like it's Jack Crusher I'm like yeah. oh, yay you know like same it was just, you same know. with the um, the music notes that are at the end the end credits yeah. too being which a um, reference to Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Encounter at Farpoint yeah. and uh, Pop Goes the Weasel. Yeah. So. Which I thought they, it, when I, you know, I was sight reading 
as I was kind of processing and my eyes were a little misty because I was crying and I'm like, oh, is that row, row, row your boat? I'm like, no, it's actually Pop Goes the Weasel. Yeah. It took me two yeah. watches. To yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, we'll get to your predictions later. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Laura's definitely going to sing that later on. Yeah. Flawlessly. Unlike Data, who couldn't get Never it. Never got it. Yeah. Because he is less perfect he than Laura, He is less perfect than Laura. <laughs> the dreams are lovely. It's the waking up that I'm beginning to resent. Okay, Aiden, what did you not like about this episode? Okay, so I'm going to start with my biggest one, which is the emotional beats of the characters. Um, And this is something that was the worst in season two. It was also in season one. And it is, I call it the Matt Weiner effect. This is, for me, um, every character, every time they're on screen, has to go through a whole emotional journey in that one scene, it seems like. Mm. And it shows up, the most when characters are angry and it seems like characters are always angry. Um, and okay. it is, it, it makes for drama. It, it makes for a scene to have some sort of tension in it. Um, but the best scenes in this episode are the ones where there's no tension. It is when it's Riker and Picard, just you know, being just, just chatting it guys up and being dudes. just guys being dudes. And that's what next generation was. It was, there was not every time, a bunch of Starfleet officers got together. They were fighting and disagreeing and and breaking up from Raffi and Seven in, no, in the twenty third twenty first century. Gene Roddenberry said you couldn't have tension. Well, you couldn't have conflict between the characters, yeah. which is not the same thing as tension. Okay. And that's whatever. <laughs> but I feel like that was part of what made Star Trek: Next Generation work so well, and it what it's what came to define these characters. So when you have uh, Riker and Picard meeting, that dynamic works again. That's what yeah. makes their characters work, mm-hmm. and. All yeah, there's the no tension char- between them, but there's tension all around them. Well, and there's there's tension in the plot. Give the, let the plot and the the conflict create the tension. You don't need to generate it in every single scene with the character. And the the worst two offenders in this every single time are Raffi and Seven. Yeah, uh, and through the whole series basically. But especially- yeah, there's just angst. It's just angst on top of angst every time you see. Yeah, them. and and I mean, yeah, Raffi's like she gets so frustrated at her handler. Uh, as she's giving her torrid backstory, I've been undercover for so long. And like, she just, she has to generate it in that way. Yeah. And it doesn't really make sense. Like, you know what you signed up for when you went undercover. Right. Like, why are you, why are you why getting are you angry, angry about, about it? Yeah. Like, and it's just because that's the only there emotion they've, tension yeah. And that's yeah. the only emotion they've given her. And yeah. that's, that's such a disservice to her character and to all the other characters who similar, similarly experienced that. And the reason I call it the Matt Weiner effect is because in Mad Men, every character had one response to everything that happened and it was anger and rage. And it was the only thing that any of them could do. Nobody was ever happy in that show. Because the it was writers... the 60s. No one was happy. Okay. 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 Fair. fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, like it really was, uh, it was such a defining show and it helped pave the way for so much of the kind prestige of prestige TV, TV that, yeah, that's kind of come since. And I feel like a lot of shows fall back on that every time. It's like, there's bad news delivered. Everybody gets mad at everybody else to create yeah. the drama. And then they resolve it somehow because one character finds a magic way or something like that. And it's it's just, it's very amateurish writing and it does not allow the characters to have so much depth. I think part of the problem is because there's there's always been anger and drama and tension in Star Trek. I mean, you, you can't, and, and it's not always been subtle. Yeah. I mean, Kirk was not subtle. <laughs> there yes. was never a moment where Shatner was, sh- was shuttle, was Sh- subtle. <laughs> um, yeah. So... 
I, I don't fault them for the melodrama. Yeah. What I do fault them for, and I think as you were talking about it, it's like, yeah, Picard and Riker get to be three-dimensional characters because we've had how many episodes of television plus four movies plus whatever episodes of Picard they happen to be in as well. Um, seven, we got four seasons of Voyager. Yeah. Rafi, we've got two seasons of Picard. They haven't been developed the way that the other characters have, and they haven't been developed together. No. Seven doesn't exist in the same world as Picard and Riker do, even though those shows aired at sort of the same time. Rafi just exists in the last three years. So as a character. So um, that I think is the problem with like true legacy characters like Picard and Riker Mm -hmm. and the new characters like Rafi. And I'm lumping seven in there because I feel like this is a new character. Yeah. Like seven of nine on Voyager is not the same character as seven of nine in Picard season. Yeah. Which, which makes sense. Like to be fair, like she, she would have changed and and morphed and, and like, I kind of liked her in in season one. Yeah. Um, And it makes sense. But at the same time, then you lost all of that depth that she had in Voyager. Right. And, and, and in doing that, you've created, um, kind of a I don't want to call it a rut but it is it does kind of feel like it's a rut Mm -hmm. like you said uh Rafi has the same set of emotions that they keep coming back to and and I think that's a fault of modern tv creation where yeah maybe you're right to credit it to Matt Weiner and and the prestige tv crowd because not that Don Draper isn't a well-rounded character he is but he is it makes sense for him to have those emotions because he was a repressed, yeah, you know, silent 60s, generation, yeah, 60s yeah. ad exec. Yeah. But to make Rafi a repressed 60s ad exec, ad exec, and to make Seven well, a repressed seven, especially, 60s because, ad exec. Yeah, like... Given the fact that this episode or this series might delve into her identity a little bit more deeply, and I do like the... I don't like, but I like the fact that... Um, uh, Captain Shaw is dead naming her and forcing her to conform to yeah. Annika Hansen instead of Seven of Nine. I think there's going to be some nice tension there that might make sense for her character because she has been wrestling with her Borg yeah. identity for so long. Um, and that's something that Picard has also wrestled with in previous seasons and into Next Generation. I like that. I think that that might be a good source of drama and tension, but you're right. The, the other characters... It was especially true for the brand new characters like Rios and um, Girati and things like that, where mm-hmm. there was just a, a superficiality to it, where they had they were like one note characters. Yeah. And when you have a one note character like Rafi, unfortunately, Rafi could be a great character, and I don't see that happening because, especially when you have her playing against like. Riker and Picard who yeah. have such depth because we've known them for so long and because they were established characters well, but even from it, so long ago. Yeah, but it, it's it's not even the fact that they existed for a long time. It's the fact yeah, that they, no, I know. the way they were established yeah. gave them that depth. Yeah, totally. You know, and and so I feel like you could start over with Rafi and Seven because even though it's in season three, I don't know them except for the fact that they get mad and they fight over the relationship and stuff. Yeah, right? but, like, but, they're, but they're, it's like writing a crossover episode in a fan fiction where you've got the next generation crew and then you've got like a show that premiered yesterday and you're just going to push them together. There's a difference in tone. There's a difference in in the way those characters are created. Rafi is a character that was created after 2006 when prestige TV became the thing that it is. And, 
and she is a reflection of modern day character creation. Picard and Riker are not. Yeah. They're from like the 1987 school of character creation. Yeah, and I prefer And the- I feel, well, no, I feel like you're right. There's, there's just a vast difference. And I think putting them together, it's like having um, like uh, Snow White two-dimensional animation and Pixar 3D animation. <laughs> if you had those in the same film, it, you're going to notice a difference, right? Yeah, but Pixar would make it work. Like, and that's that's what. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm I, saying if you just put a two-dimensional character and a three-dimensional character in the same, like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And Spider-Man, they made it work. Yes. That's what I'm, that's my point. Is you but can you, make it work, yes. and they have not done that. And I feel like that's that's the biggest challenge with the show. And actually, it leads into my my next big bash session here, which is not actually this one's a little more even handed maybe but um i find like stewart uh patrick stewart love him to bits obviously greatest actor of our generation uh he's about six years older than us but it still counts uh <laughs> but he really only finds the my biggest problem with picard and i might have said i've had three biggest problems with picard so far but one of the biggest problems i've had with season one and two of picard was that it didn't feel like the character of picard was really there um, and I, I can't, mm-hmm. for the longest time, I couldn't tell it was just because he wasn't a captain in charge of a ship. Yeah, he was a or little doddering f- old man. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Like what, what was, what was, what was the issue with it? And I found finally when him and Riker are hanging out here and it was a little bit in season one, two, when him, Riker and Troy were together, it is the other characters that make Picard who he is. Yeah. And I feel like Stuart nails the character when he's around those other, those other actors. Mm-hmm. And when he's given lines with them, I feel like. Even like something as small as um, when he's when they're on the the medical ship or whatever crusher ship, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, what's that smell?" He gave more facial expression in that one line than he did with the entire love story, quote unquote, with yeah. Laris in all of season two and this little mm-hmm. bit in season one. A little bit of facial animation. That's all mm-hmm. it took, and and it and it's literally just because he's playing off of Riker, and they, they have that dynamic and that chemistry, and it works yeah. so much better there. Um, so I feel like this is less of a complaint about this episode, but you can tell I felt like again when it was him and Laris in that first scene, no chemistry. He's he's reading the lines. Even Stewart is really not up to the task of carrying those dynamics mm-hmm. but you put him in there with frakes you put him in there even when it was him and data in mm-hmm. in the end of season one you know it had something more to it and i i feel like that is so evident in an episode like this where you get the contrast between yeah. him and frakes and him and uh marla what's her last name orla brady orla brady yeah which is a shame because i like her and i liked aspects of yeah. season one and two but he comes across better here i don't know is that just me Lance? like am i way off on that i one? never noticed it but when you talk about it yeah i guess i guess you're right and it it does it's a comfort thing i'm sure like you know you just you fall into like um old habits. familiarity yeah. with the people if you if you know them for a long time and if you're old friends and if you've you know developed a character with them i think it's just it's like taking a test in the room you studied in. You'll yeah. remember more than if you take it in a study hall you've never been in before. I think that there's something to that, maybe. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's another reason to be excited for season three. Um, I think it could be. Yeah. 
Your complaint about there being no next generation. Yes. I, even I take, though the title of the episode is the next generation. Yeah, the title episode is like cake in Portal. It's a lie. Uh, because there's <laughs> like, it was like, oh, <laughs> the next funny. generation. I expected that to yeah. actually be like the focus of it. And it's subtle. Maybe maybe they were going for subtle and I'll, I'll grant them that. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was not bashed over the head with like, oh, here's the next generation of all the Well, I'm glad kids. it wasn't. I think that would have been Sure, but I, I, I'm just saying like, if you want to, title your episode that then actually tie it into the chunk the meat of the episode yeah. and this one was not about that it was yeah. really just about uh you know setting the wheels in motion or something like that for like, a bigger story which yeah is fine yeah 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 no i wasn't i was just saying the title threw me for a loop because i expected a bit more in that regard That's i think all. yeah i think it, it it references the fact that we're getting the gang back together mm-hmm Sure. That's, yeah. That's, okay. I mean, yeah, it's it's sure. it's another fan service nod. I think. More yeah, than I would have liked to have seen more of the characters then. Like maybe. I think we yeah. did, and I think you don't even know. I think you don't even know that we saw them. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. Your theory. We'll get there in a second, Lindsay. Hold it. Hold your horses there. Um, another complaint. <laughs> this is really sad. Like I didn't like the episode, and I did. Uh, but time makes no sense once again in in season in Picard the show. Um, they get across all of Federation space in the time it takes Shaw to sleep. He doesn't even seem like he gets a full eight hours. Like he's waking up. Well, they are going at warp nine point nine nine now. <sighs> yeah. I mean, which they weren't supposed to be able to do because of the space pollution or whatever in season. Whatever they found a magical way to clear that up. But anyways, uh, this is this is again a prestige TV problem that's kind of. Arisen it's more the Game more. of Thrones effect. The, yeah, as well, you went but, further into Game of Thrones, you know, something that would have taken a whole season to do all yes. of a sudden takes half an episode. Yes. yes because they're just like, well, the, yeah, well, the writers, again, just got lazy and they're like, well, no, I need but to solve this to thing. Fair, by- we don't know. It's never really clearly been established how big the quadrants are. The well, yeah, it has. Not... Voyagers taking 70 years. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So that's fine. But I mean, where we are in relation to the edge of Federation space. Yeah, where Earth is or anything. Where Earth is like that, depending on which map you're looking at. I mean, generally speaking, I think they have Sector 001 mapped out. We know where the solar system is. But how close are we to... Uh, like the Romulans Romulan or, space, yeah, Vulcan. Yeah, you might only be. Then again, the the time space distance calculator thing that I've been using when I write my fanfic. Um, even when you are going at warp nine, it takes days. Yeah. So well, because yeah, it just it, you didn't need to set it at the edge of Federation space, no. as far as we can tell right now. Maybe in, that'll become more pertinent later yeah. on. It could have been anywhere. Yeah. Crusher could have hidden in any spot that she yeah. wanted. So just doing it like this is just seems like again, yeah, not, uh, yeah. not the best, not the best writing. Yeah, whatever. They also <laughs> don't know the difference between warp engines or uh, uh, thrusters and impulse yes. engines. Yes, that bothered so, me. You leave, you leave space dock, and you have a really cool scene like that, and then you ruin it by just confusing impulse engines and thrusters. Like what? I mean, you know, sometimes I think they just write the story for the broadest general population and most people aren't going to give a shit like you cared about that i didn't okay that's fair so that's fair i i mean i do care about stupid things um another one that i care about that's stupid is why didn't raffi contact her handler when she found out what the target what the red lady could have been like even just send a quick message to say like hey i think it might be this planet you're in head of starfleet of intelligence could you do something about this instead she flies there directly and starts hammering out messages look out there's something coming she couldn't have warned in advance okay you don't know that she didn't 
there's something very um, black and white about the way that you're thinking about things because you had another complaint coming up here with the whole navigational array being off during the episode's Best of Both yeah, Worlds, yeah, yeah, part yeah. one and two. Yeah. And we don't know what happens when the quote-unquote camera is not on. We, we don't see everything that happens. Maybe she did send a message to her handler. Maybe there was a navigational thing happening. Like, who's to say? You don't know. You're right. I don't know. I feel if it's important to the plot, you should show. I me. have a feeling that this is this is a Raffi problem. I think she just <laughs> has an impulse control issue. I think we've established, yeah, we've established this, that much, yeah. so it makes yeah. sense. I think she's going to get in trouble with her handler. Um, yeah, well, maybe, but, or maybe they'll clarify it later on. It's like, yeah, I got your message. Sorry, I was too late to, you know, I was busy. On the holodeck my, with my batleth yeah, because her yeah. handler is Worf. <laughs> you've, you've ruined your big reveal, Linz, but I love it. Uh, let's continue on with our bashing here. Um, and this is one I think we can agree on for the most part. Uh, the fan service. Yeah. A little too much? Uh, too it's much? overkill. I thought it was too much. Okay, okay. You were in the too much category. Yeah. I was okay with it at points. I felt like even the, the slow flyby of the Titan A was kind of like, oh yeah, like it's it's space dock again, like the Enterprise in the movie. Yeah, but it doesn't take an hour. It doesn't take an hour, which is like a huge improvement. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, oh, but the biggest problem, the Titan A is ugly. Like neither of us liked it. Yeah, I I was I, people have been fawning over it, and yeah. I think I don't know. I just didn't. Maybe it'll grow on me. I don't well, know. The idea of a Neo Constitution class two first of all bothered yeah, me to no end. Like, come on, you have. So many cool designs. Like there were all these all the Easter egg shots yes. of like there's like the Pathfinder class, which is like the Voyager B apparently. There's all these other sh- cool ships. And has nobody come up with a new idea yeah. in 250 years? Like, come on. <laughs> it's such a shame because like there, but there are there are new ideas. They're cool looking ships. My question, I'm putting yeah. up my hand like I'm in class yep. right now. By all means. Why do these ships have to be aerodynamic? Uh, for cool looks, Lindsay. Okay, but the Borg cube no. looks cool, and it has exactly the yeah, same but, number okay, of aerodynamic If you pulled up, you pulled up benefit. In a, well, no, because some of them do land. Like, Voyager can land, so you do need a bit of aerodynamics for that. Okay, whatever. Whatever. I still think it's stupid. You're traveling through a fucking vacuum. You don't need to have... But when they go through a nebulas and the... stuff, you know, it helps to sweep the... I mean, that's what the deflector field's for. But anyways, Jesus. Yeah, it's fair point. It's a fair okay. point. I love Federation ships. I think they're by oh, yeah, far totally. the coolest looking. But I, I do agree. Like, there was something off. I just felt like everything yeah. looks too... Is it wrong to say that I really... Like, I love the Enterprise D, but man, we just... Going through the original series, I miss the original Enterprise. Yeah. With yeah. the little red guys for the yeah. missiles and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why can't ships look like that? It's pretty simple. We should simple. have more Googie designed <laughs> yeah. design ships. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go I'd back the, to the. I would love for them to come across, age. like, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, or come across a whole species that that's how they do design their ships. Is like, that'd be cool. Like a, a 50s, 60s uh, retro future. Everything looks like LAX, like, yeah. like the airport. And, <laughs> yeah. I love cool. it. Starburst. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, but the one piece of fan service that, that did bother me the most uh, was that the one that it wasn't fan service, which is that whole thing about the, the code word. I don't even remember what it was now. Uh, mm. Numbskull. <laughs> Firebird? Fire? Fire? No. Well, we'll put it in the notes because yeah. we, we can't think of it now. Uh, but, you know, it's this message from Crusher to Picard, and he doesn't recognize it because he was currently being Locutus. And I didn't get why they did that uh, when you could have done an actual 
fan service that's, reference. But that's what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be. No, it doesn't have to be. But why wouldn't you? In an episode what, littered what, with fan service else, everywhere. What else could it have been? When when was there ever a moment where there was some kind of? I mean, unless you're talking about the uh, cause and effect. Where, yeah, you could have done. Yeah, all threes. You could have just said. It's a long way down to the bottom of the warp core. And I would have instantly known, oh, out of three. Picard wasn't in that scene. He didn't get that. So it would have but been the Riker same thing. Riker might have been. Or Riker they could have come it. across Jordy and he would have been like, oh, yeah, that thing. I remember that. I remember one I remember line of dialogue from an I, episode that I aired, that, that I filmed that 25 I, years ago. Because it happened 48,000 times, possibly. And yes, because he <laughs> gave that line to Crusher. So it would have made perfect sense for LaForge to come in and but then why like, would she send it? Long way down. Out of three. Da 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 da. Arrived at the Okay, but she's not sending it to him. She's sending it to Picard. So why didn't she make it something that Picard would understand? Okay, I Big get your hole. point now. Yeah. That's a plot hole. Fine. Makes no point sense. Point to you. That's yep. fair. Unless she was trying to like wiggle it so that she, he'd have to go and see Riker to figure out what the thing was. But he doesn't need to do that. He can just be like, uh, Riker, She's the mom the friend. I just got it. She's the mom friend. She's trying to get the game. She's the one orchestrating it all. She's like, Picard, you're going to have to go see Riker. <laughs> and then you're going to have to get LaForge in there. I wouldn't doubt it. It's and very we're all going to get together for mimosas, <laughs> and it'll be great. <laughs> okay, we're resurrecting uh, an old favorite. Um, well, I don't know. It was one of my favorite things yeah, that we I did back when we were doing Twin Peaks, um, and we didn't know what was going to be happening in the next week's episode. Um, we started a little series called Bix Riddick Predicts, yeah. where we, at the time, did Twitter polls where we would ask people what they thought was going to happen. We would put the most bizarre um, predictions that we could think of for what would happen in the next episode for our listeners to vote on. Um Twitter's a dumpster fire. We are no longer on Twitter. No. We're not even going to put a poll out anymore. We're no. just going to come up with with our predictions and say them out loud here. And if you like one of them, you can let us know. And if you hate all of them, you can let us know. And if also you're not fine. even listening, who am I talking to right now? Yeah, just you and me, uh, which is fine. Aiden, uh, what are your ridiculous predictions for so next week's episode? I only have one. Oh, is it only for next week? I thought well, it was for the whole for, series. For, based on what we saw, what is a prediction okay. for something that okay. will happen next? So I have... The idea that we have not seen the last of the Borg, that they are going to come back either. I don't know if it's going to be as a good guy or a bad guy because of what happened with uh, Gerardi in in season two. And like she goes back and saves the Borg. I don't know. It's not really clear. Um, But I feel like there's so many little hints. There's the anti-Borg rhetoric from Shaw. Yeah. There's uh, the music, the first contact theme song. Um, The fact that, you know, it is still kind of one of the defining elements of picard's life right um and the fact that he's synthetic now which yeah. i think is still true there yes. was talk online about did q turn him back into a human i don't remember that line of dialogue so i don't think it happened but anyways uh yeah that's my prediction the borg are going to come back they are not we are not yeah. done with them i don't think that's uh, too here. ridiculous a prediction i think that oh. we're no i i think it's a pretty fair assumption i'm gonna really? be with you on that i okay. think a hundred percent because they haven't been featured in any of the promo material nope. and nobody's mentioned it online nope. that i've seen but so. i think the fact that we're dealing i think we're going to be dealing with artificial intelligence um because yeah. we've got moriarty coming back and i think um the yeah the anti-borg rhetoric coming from shaw leads me and and kind of some of the references to wolf 359 suggests i think yes. to me that shaw was there mm. and that's why he has so much animosity towards xbs but um it's it's i think that's one of the more likely things that's probably going to be happening okay, okay i think yeah okay so mine's plus, not too plus you can't you can't 
leave season that was one of the things I did like about season two and it's a little bit controversial I think but the rewrite of the Borg as like kind yeah. of a helper species yeah. under Jurati. Yeah. I think we we got a sense that that was going to be coming back. They just left it hanging there. Yeah. I can't imagine that they would just not deal with that. It was such a I huge can. no. I, I think that, I think I you think can leave gonna... season two behind and never touch it again. And no, but that's one of the, that's upset. one of the things that I would love to explore is this recasting of the bad guys as good guys. And I think having Moriarty and Lore come back. Well, we Maybe don't know it's gonna, Lore for sure. Uh, okay. But it's probably Lore, yes. I'm I'm yeah. <laughs> and they're like Moriarty is the ultimate bad guy who's designed to defeat data, yeah. and Lore is like one of the most sinister bad guys in all of TNG. Yeah. Maybe they're gonna be recast, recontextualized as good guys as well. Oh wow, that's an out there prediction. Okay. I it like wasn't that. it wasn't my main prediction because yeah, okay, that yeah. didn't Go. happen in this episode. My main prediction is that Worf is gonna be Raffi's uh, handler. handler. That's fair. Um I don't think that's crazy out there. But my my really out there prediction, yeah. are you ready for this one? I'm ready. None of this is taking place in the real world. That it's a holo- holodeck projection. Oh. And I think Okay. Well, I mean that's possible of any Of course, time. <laughs> totally. But I think the fact that Moriarty is we know Moriarty is coming back and Moriarty existed in a world that was contained on Barclay's desk. I think that that, <laughs> that there's at least a possibility that this technology exists yeah. somewhere. And the fact that we had two instances of people who were supposedly in the background listening in on Riker and Picard's conversations or giving them the side eye. We had it in the bar. Yeah. And then we had it on Yeah, someone's the, tracking them for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and then in the end, in the credits, there was uh, a screen that showed like 10 forward LA um, as a yeah. holo- holodeck program that was running with the safeties off. And I thought, you know what? That... That's none of what's being put in the end credits is there by accident. And maybe I've been trained by years of watching David Lynch productions to look for things and read into them that to a really much yeah. <laughs> deeper degree than I ought to. Yeah. But I think that there There's a possibility. Yep, yeah, it's it's way out there. Okay. Maybe they it's never It's not left going the to happen. That's Maybe that episode never that episode when uh, <laughs> Riker or when Picard and uh, Data were stuck on the holodeck. Yeah. They, they never they left. just been in the holodeck the yeah. whole time. Yeah. It was actually them inside that cube. Oh my god. And Moriarty's playing with it. Right that now would be one way to retcon your way out of season one <laughs> and two entirely. Just like, oh, well, it was all a dream. Pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrote everything up to season five of yeah. Next Generation. Oh my god. That'd be terrible. I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, me too. But it'd be cra- pretty crazy if it did. Big slog started 52687.4. Well, the date has finally arrived. The start of Picard Season 3 has been downloaded into the memory banks, and the result was... mixed. Lieutenant Commander Stamhuis and I agreed the episode did have merits, but we were also not, to borrow an unfortunate parlance, blown away. The discussion leading up to this season was of unmitigated hype. The return of the TNG crew, a new showrunner, a cohesive writing process, all the elements were there. This was fueled by previewers who had access to early episodes, many saying the same thing. This is a true return to the quality of the next generation. Both of us were cautiously optimistic going in, and both of us have left with the exact same feeling, the episode having not conclusively driven us in either direction. So now the question becomes, do we give in to hope, or stay along the more guarded path? So Lindsay, is this season going to live up to the hype? We talked about it before, uh, there was a lot of positive 
news, people who had been given early access, seen at least a couple episodes, they, everyone's saying, very similar to what Strange New Worlds got, but when it, when it debuted, people were like, yes, this is the best new Trek uh, we've seen so far. Yeah. Getting a very similar kind of reviews. Do you think it's going to live up to the hype based on this first episode, or do you think we should adjust our expectations? I... I'm the wrong person to ask. I came up with this question. I'm regretting it because I'm the wrong person to ask. Um, Why? Because I I am such an eternal optimist. Um, I'm like late to everything because I always think I have more time. You know, like that's the kind of optimist. Oh, I, I know am. all about you being. I know late. you yeah, are. I yeah, know you do. Yeah. Um, but so that that has that has burned me quite severely with season one and two of Picard because I tried so hard to be positive I remember we were watching like we were halfway through season two and I'm like it'll get better it has to get better it never really did and it hurt my heart was broken I was so upset when when it ended and I'm like what the hell was that all about why was Q there what does this mean I was so upset so I keep hearing good things and I remember coming to you and being like oh did you hear this this was a really good thing and I always had that edge to my voice where I was like please don't be bad bad and so I watched this episode and I didn't jump out of my seat I wasn't super excited um partly because I was forcing myself to be guarded yeah i've been burned by this yeah. show so badly that i've built a wall around my heart i'm not letting anything in um because i did jump out of my seat in excitement with season one and two of picard certain moments of it anyway yeah. and i did like certain things and then it ended up being really bad in the end so um i am hopeful but also not expecting it yeah. Because then if it happens, I'll be happy. Okay. Just to disagree, I am going to go for it. I'm going to say this this episode is pointing to what's going to make it work. And I feel like it is going to be. It's going to be a good season. It okay. is going to be, uh, it is going to lean more and more on those dynamics that do work for the actors, for the writers, um, and for the whole story as a whole. I right. feel like there's a good enough mystery about what's going on i don't like the whole like oh you can't trust the federation like th- that's been done i mean maybe if they turn it into maybe if this is the section be, 31 spin-off. yeah or the conspiracy you know everybody's got the oh yeah the little, amoeba thing yeah in yeah, their, in, in yeah their brains yeah i mean that's fine too but if they go that way but i feel like everything else is mm-hmm. heading to something good mm-hmm. and i feel like moving away from uh, Laris and the whole everything that happened in one and two, giving Rafi something to do, which is nice. I feel like Seven's kind of stuck in a rut, but I feel like either Shaw's gonna die or get relieved of duty by. Oh, yeah, an Shaw's definitely gonna die, I, and well, that'll be a great moment. <laughs> it will be. I love that they built him up so well as a, as a bad guy. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's there's definitely opportunities here. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going in, I am going in chest open, Lindsay. They're going to hit me right in the heart with that, uh, pain stick. Uh, when, when <laughs> by about season episode six, I might be regretting this decision, but I am going in with an open mind, open hearts. I'm, I'm ready for this to be a really awesome season. Can I just say, uh, Shaw being a bad guy. Yeah. One thing that we said after the episode was over was he's just following orders. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Why are we siding with the guys who are just like... The rogues. You know who else was following orders, Lindsay? The Nazis. Okay. okay. Wow. It did not take long for that 
Did we hit that. Too. We hit what is that rule? Whatever of the internet. Not thirty four. No, nope, thank. God. <laughs> Don't look up rule thirty four Nazis. That's a bad idea. Oh my god! Why would you even say that? <laughs> so, anyways, it's a uh, it's a thing. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like he's uh, he's set up to be an interesting kind of villain foil i feel like he might yeah he's not like he's not like a villain i think he's just an obstacle he's he's a classic antagonist where he's not really the bad guy he's just standing in the way of the the good guys doing the thing and obviously the titan is going to come in and save the little shuttlecraft crew at the start of the next episode so i feel like they might redeem him even a little bit there Um, no he's gonna die (laughs) it'll be captain seven okay I, I, I that's my that. next prediction or Riker takes over as captain because it was his ship before but in either case I I'm I am excited to see more oh well, yeah I'm not I'm not I, I'm I'm gonna watch it but but we were gonna we were excited to see more after episode one of both season one and two so uh, yeah 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 the risk is still there yeah but I'm 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 excited so uh yeah this was a much longer episode than I think we've uh expected to do so yeah. hopefully you're still with us I mean if you're listening to this you are yeah literally um, by definition unless you're like asleep like you're you're on wake a, up yeah wake up you're driving <laughs> I hope not <laughs> you're probably on public transit if you're asleep right now or maybe you're in bed and you don't want to wake up and this was a terrible well I was listening to podcasts in the car so yeah me too but I often don't fall asleep no when I'm driving often well sometimes <laughs> I get to my destination I'm like how did I get here Okay. That's never happened to you before? I don't drive every day, so I, I know that doesn't happen. Wow. Me. I have to force myself to take other routes sometimes when I'm really tired because then it like forces me to pay attention. Pay attention to the road. Because yeah. otherwise I'm just like, I mean, that, on, I'm like, I could have killed six people back there. I have no idea. People do say commuting is one of the most dangerous things you'll ever do. So yeah. there you have it. Um, but for, that's it for us <laughs> uh, on that sour note. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with another dive into episode two uh so thank you for joining us and Lindsay. until then live long and prosper i'm sorry you didn't say it this time you said it last time i was so excited you can find all our episodes on spotify podbean apple podcasts and itunes or wherever you get your podcast fix we love to talk star trek with our fellow nerds and would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or ideas about any of our discussions or the topics we brought up you can reach out to us on Twitter, that's at the Bixpod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Beam us up, Scotty.